the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. Seven on the Central Coast. It is Monday, February 5th, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton, back with you. Good to be with you. Welcoming you to another edition, another week of Hometown Radio. Thanks for joining us. Craig and I are with you all the way till 7 o'clock. On this broadcast, straight ahead, during the 4 o'clock hour, Dr. Armstead is back with us. We're going to be doing a, a couple segments this week on the so-called Border Patrol Act of 2024 trying to secure the border and also provide uh, money for Israel and Ukraine. Uh, it's all linked together. Dr. Armstead will make that link. At 5.05, father and son team, Sam and Aaron Cotton. Is our love affair with electric vehicles over? Or maybe a better question to ask is, why don't we have the infrastructure in California to support our EV fleet? A lot to uncover there, and we will do so. Susan Hoffman at 6.05 talks about books that she has been reading lately. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. A little bit later on this hour, I'll uh, share with you stories about where I was last week. Nothing particularly exciting, but obviously the story of the hour of the day of the week could be of the year is weather. And when we want to talk weather, there's only one guy. The one, the only, Mr. John Lindsay starts us off. John, good afternoon. David and Craig, good afternoon to both of you. Hey, buddy. So let's start with Los Osos. What was it like in Los Osos the last day or so? Well, yesterday it was probably one of the windiest days I've, I've ever seen before. And what made this event so um, unique was, um, well, I'll tell you what, on, on Tuesday night, um, I gave a presentation to the Central Coast Aquarium as a fundraiser. And um, part of my presentation was, hey, what's the outlook for the weather? And so I downloaded this, this one graph showing that we'd have uh, storm force winds from the Channel Islands all the way up, you know, past Bodega Bay to Point Arena in Northern California. And I said, you know, I really don't want to make this public right now because I don't know if it's going to really verify or not because I've never seen a forecast that advertised winds of these magnitude, these velocities from Channel Islands all the way up to Point Arena, that's like 500 miles at the same time. And I thought, there's no way this is going to verify. And then all the other models came in line the next day on Wednesday, and I tweeted it out and put it on Facebook and Instagram. And I said, gosh, you know, this is still a long-range forecast, and it will probably change. And then on Saturday, I said, look, I think, I think this is going to verify. And then on Sunday, batting down the hatches, my gosh, we had gusts up to 52 miles per hour at my anemometer on top of my house in Baywood Park up on the Cuesta Grade at TV Towers. 
the winds got up to 90, uh, excuse me, up to 79 miles per hour, so nearly 80 miles per hour on top of the Cuesta grade. And as you went up further northward, the winds just were stronger and stronger. Um, many areas in the Santa Lucia Mountains off the Big Sur coastline were in the 80s and 90s. And so far, the strongest wind that I've found was near Bolinas, California, which is on the Point Reyes National Seashore. Um, a peak there at 1,200 feet uh, reached 102 miles per hour. Wow. So um, those are amazingly strong winds. And uh, with those winds, we had toppling trees and down power lines. And, uh, you know, thank goodness for my former employee, PG&E, and those crews were out there working in all this inclement weather. And they were able to restore our power um, within about five to seven hours. And um, our charter, our uh, cable internet provider, Spectrum, that just came on about an hour ago. Oh, perfect. So, um, so yeah. thankful, you know, really thankful for, uh, for all the hard work of, of all those line persons restoring power and also cable service. Um, uh, throughout our region. So, well, let's remind yeah. folks, John, that Governor Newsom has declared both San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara counties with a state of emergency. And they're at the most recent news reports, there are still thousands of people in this county without power. Yep, I, I believe so. There's a really good, uh, pg has an outage um, map, and everybody should visit that if, if you can. Um, you, it's simple to get to it. You just go www.pge.com. And you'll see a link there to to the um, outage map. But I, you know, driving around today, um, yeah, I notice there's still a lot of line crews out there, you know, working as quickly and as safely as possible to get that power restored. And you know, it's kind of funny when I was growing up in Santa Rosa that when there was a power outage, you know, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a pain, but it wasn't crucial. Um, today, we've just become a lot more dependent upon electricity, and now when there's a power outage, it's almost classified as, as a bit of a crisis, maybe not to that extent, but it's, it's a big deal. And, and I, you know, working with those line crews all these years, they're really dedicated in, in getting that power restored. Oh, I had a friend who uh, lives out your way. He drove all the way into San Luis Obispo yesterday just to charge up his phone. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, with, with, without a doubt. Yep. Yep. And I know a lot of a lot of people now have have generators and power walls, and and that's uh, been a you know, power walls mean backup battery supplies, and that's been really helpful during during this period. John Lindsay giving us the very latest on the weather. I also have the the sense, John, that Southern California got the rain particularly bad more than we did. Oh yeah, I, I mean if you if you go on X or Facebook or any of the social media channels, you could see all those video clips of of severe flooding and mudslides and debris flows uh, throughout the Los Angeles basin, and um, it's still raining down there. Well, it's raining here, Dave. But uh, for instance, uh, you know it's going to rain uh, this afternoon, uh, transitioning to, to showers tonight, and then more of a steady rain on Tuesday. Um, so from this afternoon through Tuesday, we're expecting another half an inch to three quarters of an inch. Geez, down in Los Angeles, they're expecting another maybe three to five inches of, of accumulated rainfall of a precip. So, yeah, they're really getting hammered as, as far as um, as far as the rain goes. Also, um, by tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, uh, snow levels should drop to about four thousand feet. 
Um, so we're going to see quite a bit of snow in the Sierra Nevada, and also those, uh, you know, the mountains surrounding the L.A. basin should make for some beautiful photography. And then we'll have a bit of a break in the rain on Wednesday morning, but then again we'll start seeing a, another little system's going to pass um, over the central coast, a cold front actually, and it's going to produce showers uh, beginning at 4 p.m., continuing through 2200, 10 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon. Also associated with that cold front, will be strong post-frontal northwesterly winds, in fact, strong the gale force levels. Um, so it's going to be very blustery throughout the central coast. And another break in the weather is expected on Thursday morning. And then another upper-level system will pass through on Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, um, and then should be clearing out by Friday morning. And that's going to produce between a third and three-quarters of an inch. Snow levels with this system could get down to about 3,000 feet, so there could be a dusting on our higher peaks. Uh, throughout the central coast. And then um, good news is uh, we'll transition back to kind of an offshore wind flow, a Santa Lucia uh, condition on Saturday and Sunday going right into St. Valentine's Day. And that's going to produce mostly clear weather with cold mornings and mild afternoons. And then the next chance for a significant storm appears to be on the 18th and 19th and 20th of February, and it could be very stormy indeed. Anytime we got a three-day weekend, it always rains. Craig, you have an observation. Uh, well, the observation was I was so glad I didn't have an electric stove, as recommended by some people on the Central Coast, because I was able to make my kids a killer breakfast that Sunday morning. And if I had an electric stove, I couldn't have done any of that. And so I'm just very psyched. Was it, did you lose your power? Yeah, we had our power out from, uh, what, 9 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, so I wasn't able to watch my iStation Zebra that lot I wanted to watch, but I still enjoyed the time down and feeding the kids, just having that time to spend with them doing board game stuff and being able to cook a great breakfast. Now, I was actually wondering, you said snow levels at 3,000 feet. Does 3, that mean if you get up to like 5,000, is it going to be like super great pack of snow? What are you looking before he answers that? What are you looking for? I'm looking for Shaver Lake. Oh, wow. Yeah, you were thinking about going up there, weren't you, Craig? Yeah. Um, yeah, it it should be a maybe I'd say about maybe four to five inches of, of, of nice powder, you know, at that altitude. Because I think Shaver Lake, oh geez, I, I think it's what six thousand feet or so, Craig. I, don't quote me 5, on that. I gotta look it up and see, but it's up there pretty high. Fifty five hundred, so, Craig says. What, what is it, Dave? Fifty five hundred. Yeah, that should should be some nice snow up there if, if you take your RV and and not so heavy where. You won't be able to get out, Craig. So, so I, I think, yeah, it should be pretty nice up there, especially this weekend, um, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and coming up on Monday. It should be um, really beautiful weather. Craig. Are you planning on going soon? Uh, well, maybe this weekend. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think it'd be really gorgeous, actually. All right. Um, but a little bit on the nippy side, but hey, that's what you expect when you go up in the Sierra Nevada. John Lindsay yeah. is with us, giving us the very latest on the winter storms we are experiencing. We'll come back and chat some more. We're live. We're local. This is Hometown Radio. Tomorrow, heart surgeon extraordinaire Dr. David Canvasser makes his annual pilgrimage to this studio. We're going to talk about what is new with heart disease, 
And I'll remind folks of our story as I come up. Boy, next week is five years for me since my surgery. It's pretty incredible. On uh, Wednesday, we have a first-time guest, Adam Verdon, is finally coming into this studio. Uh, we will talk about everything happening in South County. It is a Dave Congleton show, always, your hometown radio talk show. We're just spending a little bit of time at the beginning of today's show with our good friend and regular contributor, Mr. John Lindsay, because weather remains the big topic. Though, John, as I come back to you, how are we this year compared to last year? Because we've got two years of big rain in a row, which I think is wonderful. But are we on track to beat last year? Oh, no, not not even close. But to be optimistic, though, or, or to be positive, um, to have two years of above-average rainfall is what a wonderful thing to, to happen after all those years of below-average rainfall. And uh, so far, you, you know, last year we had that gigantic January that just, you know, broke numerous rainfall records and, and really drove us way, way above-average rainfall. Um, so far this year, we haven't really seen that, and consequently, Paso Robles is about 140% above average. San Luis Obispo is about 120% above average now with, with these recent rains. Um, as you go further southward in Santa Maria and Lompoc, they're, I just looked up the numbers, they're about 105, 107% above average. But if you go down, you know, on the other side of the of the San Rafael Mountains hit into Santa Barbara and Ventura Oxnard and L.A. Basin, they're way, way above average. They're about 150% as we speak. Um, so wonderful news, above average rainfall for uh, for most of California, and you couldn't ask for anything better than that, you know, mm-hmm. especially after all these years of drought. So that's that's great news. Um, also, yesterday's storm, I noticed it got down to 978 millibars, and 24 hours before that, it was roughly about 100, well, 1,002 millibars. So it was, you could classify this as a bomb cyclone, and a bomb cyclone is anything that drops uh, more than 24 millibars in 24 hours. So that's another kind of pretty cool um, statistic about this particular low-pressure system. And it was actually two low-pressure systems that were off our coastline that actually merged and came together. And that's when the pressures really started to drop quite a bit. Question, and, uh, uh, question, we, John. On the Stolberg text line, Judy checks in. Hey, Judy. I just feel uh, like it was very windy yesterday, but I still feel like in 2017, the Lucifer storm seemed to me to have way higher winds, but I could be wrong. Is she wrong? You know, I have to really go back and look at the data, Dave. I, I don't want to... Um, which particular storm was that? The, the Lucifer, Lucifer storm? storm of 2017. The storm or something? Okay. And what, what year was that again? I'll she says that, 2017. Does she have a month on that? No, I just re- John, I just read the text. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll go back and, and look look to see. Um, I just don't have that on top of my head, but I do know that the fifty two mile per hour gust in my house was the highest I've ever recorded before, and I've had my weather station up and running now for, geez, I think around twelve or thirteen years. So, you know, give it. And since I'm retired. I really don't have access to the Diablo Canyon uh, meteorological towers, and, and that would be pretty cool. They're always 
you know, they have the one anemometer up there at 76 um, feet. It's always really, really fun to to take a look at that. Yeah, hey, we're at yeah, the one of those things. We're at the three minute mark with John Lindsay. Another text coming in. A listener is asking about the source of these names, like bomb cyclone or atmospheric well, river. Who who comes up with these names? Um, usually, people trying to get their PhD, their their doctoral thesis, will will come up with some of these names. Um, Bob, bomb cyclone is is a pretty recently coined, and also atmospheric river was recently coined. You know, he used to call that the Pineapple Express, and then I th- I think it was actually um, uh, uh, atmospheric scientists with with Scripps Institute of Oceanography that coined that phrase, and then bomb cyclone. You know, I got to read and who actually coined that one, but it's been around you know for a little bit of time. I've heard it numerous t- times, but it's simple to remember, 24 millibars in 24 hours. Boom. That's, you know, pardon the pun. So, but, um, yeah, so there, there you go. That's a great question, by the way. Uh, so as we start to wrap things up, John, let's remind folks of your rain forecast. Is the worst behind us? Yeah, oh, d- definitely the worst is behind us. Um, Sunday's storm was, was pretty darn unique. I mean, uh, our houses here in Baywood Park were rocking and rolling and and vibrating. It was really blowing, um, and as Craig said, it was nice that we built a fire and you know, we just Trish and I we had spent a lot of great time together and and I really enjoyed it and I know Craig with his family did, and uh, so once again we'll have showers to, tonight through Tuesday. Uh, between a half to three quarters of an inch, then more showers on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, more showers on Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, and then we'll have a nice, and that'll be about a third to three quarters of an inch total. And then a really beautiful break in the weather on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, going into Valance, St. Valentine's Day. And then the next chance for a big storm looks like it's going to be on the 18th, the 19th, and the 20th of February. So we got a we got a wet month in February. That's good. Love we it. we do, and statistically, February is is the month most likely to have rain. In fact, February the eleventh is the day that's most likely to to you know your experience to to maybe have some rain break out the umbrellas and and whatnot. I'll make a note on my calendar, John. Always good to chat with you. I've got thirty seconds for a final thought. Yeah, um, just, you know, Dave and, and Craig, thank you for being there. And I you know so many people mention your radio show, and, and thank goodness you're there, Dave and Craig. So thank you so much. Well, John, it's supposed to be about, you're very kind, but it's supposed to be about the weather. Be safe, have backup batteries, keep some cash on hand. Yeah, and, <laughs> and freeze those gallon <laughs> containers, those plastic gallon containers in your freezer. And, um, you know, as, as Alan would say, don't fill them up all the way. Keep some space for expansion. And if you use electricity, just transfer those from your freezer to your refrigerator and keep the, your food from spoiling. We're out of here. All right, John, thank you. We'll talk again. News, traffic, weather, more of Hometown Radio still to come. Sunlight plays upon her head. I hear the sound of a gentle on the 
You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We're basically uh, booked up for the week. We've got a couple slots open, but not many. I mentioned uh, earlier that tomorrow we have uh, heart surgeon extraordinaire Dr. David Canvasser. He comes in every February, the anniversary of my open heart surgery, and we just talk about what's happening. And hopefully educate a few of you so that you can avoid what I went through. <laughs> also, Adam Verdon, a well-known attorney and a South County businessman, is going to be here on Wednesday. First time we've been able to get Adam in the studio. Just want to talk about what's happening in South County. Another first-time guest on Thursday, we have one of the owners of the one of the new owners of the Morro Bay Theater. He's going to come in and he's going to talk about, well, he's going to explain why they bought the theater, what they're going to do with it, and what the status of movie theaters are these days. Of a particular note, we begin our coverage. Uh, there's not much on the ballot in the California primary locally, but there is one supervisor race that is going to be determined, and that is the District 5 race to replace uh, County Supervisor Debbie Arnold, who is not going to run for a fourth term. And it is a Tascadero City Council member, Susan Funk, is running against the mayor of Tascadero, Heather Moreno. Susan Funk will be with us on Thursday. The mayor will be with us. She has to come on later in the month. So, And then uh, last segment worth highlighting at this point is a week from today, Derek Johnson, the city manager here in San Luis, is coming in. And uh, we'll continue our conversation about what's happening with the city. It is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Uh, I was away last week. Some of you may know that. So I want to start off by thanking the guest hosts, Gary J. Freiberg and Jeanette Trumpeter, Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott Robertson, Jim Siebert, and our own Craig Hill. Craig, how'd it go? It was good. Everything went uh, very smooth. It was uh, terrific. There's, there's your answer. Well, tell me more. Uh, well, started off... Uh, Great guests. All the guests were all the guest hosts were really good, and they had terrific guests of their on their own. I was impressed by the schedules they submitted. Yeah, I need them uh, as booking agents. Those guys are top notch. Well, it's always interesting to me when you because we don't. I asked to see the schedule. I asked them to submit it to me just to make sure um, that it's doable and feasible and doesn't conflict with anything we already have scheduled. But other than that. I leave it up to the guest hosts. I urge them to keep to try to keep it local. Uh, I don't want to hear four hours of just phone conversations of people from around the country. Mm-hmm. But that's not always bad. I mean, uh, no, uh, you just you have to have the right balance. Yeah. That's all. You don't want it. Well, I, I've told the story when Frank Sheehan hired me back in uh, I don't know what was it October of ninety one. He said, I'm going to ask two things of you. He said, number one, do not swear on the air. And by and large, Frank, I've honored that. Uh, and number two, he said, keep it local. You know? and and that's think, what we tried to do. I think that's what's uh, kept you here. You're the last one left. That's it. Because you kept it local. So everybody everybody's did did fine. Yeah, I can't think of... How'd I, you say? What'd, what'd you do? Uh, you had a... Pen you, pie, oh, of course. You had Larson. Travis, yeah, Travis Larson. Larson. Yeah, he's sharp. Yeah, uh, he was great uh, to have. Uh, before that, when we did Pet and Pie, I had uh, a uh, sergeant from the Army, David Hernandez, come in 
to be our guest pie taster. Ah. And I thought he had a really compelling story. So I called an audible and kept him over. He couldn't stay very long, uh, but we held him over into the next segment and got to learn a little bit about him because it was very interesting. What was the pie? What did I miss? A lullaberry. Ah. A lullaberry pie. I don't know. Yeah, it was delicious. And so uh, he came on, and uh, not only did he enjoy you know, doing what he was doing, eating pie, but uh, you know, it, it was really interesting talking to him about his career in the Army and how it just started, you know, him working at a retail store and thinking, man, there's something better than this. And, and a guy who was a buddy of his from the Army came back and said, hey, I'm, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I'm getting paid. These are the benefits. And now he, he planned to do it for one hitch, and now he's been in for 16 years. So he obviously likes it. Yeah, and he's going to retire. Uh, he's got one more deployment left, and he's on his way to uh, Ohio, and he's going to be there doing recruiting, and then he's done his 20. Yeah. Yeah, but very, and if he went from Texas to Alaska to, and he, he, his family, him and his family loved Alaska. They were very surprised, and then to uh, Colorado, Louisiana. You know, and then he also deployed overseas in uh, theater and did his time there and came back. Now he's uh, working at the recruiter, off, the Al- recruiter office. Alaska is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, he said place. he didn't hunt or fish before he went up there, but it's like a prerequisite. You got to hunt, go you got to fish, you got to own a plane because that's how you get around in Alaska. Got to have a plane. Uh, so, and we remind people that podcasts for all these segments. 920kvc.com. Good to go. Or uh, on the Facebook page. 920 KVC. All right. Uh, Craig, thanks again. I, I wish I could uh, take an hour and regale you with fantastic stories like I have when I've gone to Antarctica or even battling COVID on board a cruise ship. Uh, this last week was just your basic uh, escape to Ensenada. Uh, you know, my partner, Kathy, broke her leg last June, and we'd already been scheduled because she's never been to Alaska, speaking of Alaska. And we had booked a cruise on uh, Royal Caribbean for September. It was going to be great. Fly up to Vancouver, get on the ship, go see all these places, come back to Vancouver. And then, boom, she broke her leg. And what's the point of trying to get on a plane and go on a cruise? And Royal Caribbean was um, easy to work with. Sorry to hear about the accident. Happy to uh, give you credit. But... You have to use it by May 1st. It's like, eh, well, okay. But do I want to get on an airplane and fly to Galveston to get on a ship? Do I want to fly to Fort Lauderdale to get on a ship? Uh, no, I, don't. I just want to keep it simple. Let's just use the credit and go to Ensenada. As far as I know, all the... Major cruise lines offer some kind of variation on the Southern California package. It involves uh, going down to San Pedro. Princess, for example, has a real short one. You get on San Pedro and you go down to Ensenada for a day. And then you have a day at sea and then you come back. The one that we went on, you leave San Pedro, you go to Catalina for a day, which is cool. Uh, you get a day at sea, then you go to Ensenada, and then you come back. It's real basic. There, there are some that leave San Pedro, and they go up to San Francisco, and they'll hit uh, Santa Barbara, they'll hit Monterey. They'll skip us because we still don't allow cruise ships, but don't get me going on that. Uh, 
and then they go back down to Ensenada. There's uh, one that will leave uh, San Pedro, and they'll go to Catalina, then down to San Diego, then down to Ensenada. My point being, there are any number of ways to take a trip like this. I like Royal Caribbean for two reasons. One, it includes a stop in Catalina. I haven't been to Catalina now in about eight years. I used to go every year. So I was curious about that. Um, And overall, these trips tend to be relatively inexpensive for cruises. Because the the cruise lines want to get you on. They want to get you in the habit of cruising. And when I say affordable, it all depends upon the time of year. But this cruise that uh, we did, I have seen for as low as uh, two ninety nine. The Princess three day cruise, you can get on the ship for two hundred bucks a person. Now there's taxes involved and gratuities and you know all sorts of stuff. But it is affordable, and I really saw that. It's, it's funny because we just heard the story about how much people are using plastic and racking up debt maybe because they're cruising but i could not believe this was a cruise that left on monday came back on friday it was just jammed with families young families with young kids i thought that by chance we had gotten on the wrong ship and we were on some kind of disney cruise line but i think well this has got to be an affordable vacation because look at all these young families getting out and enjoying and they've got They've got all sorts of swimming pools, and the whole top deck is all stuff for the kids to do with a water slide and a, this wave surfboard thing. It was really geared towards families. And I've also liked the Ensenada Cruise. This is the third time that I've done this. If you're thinking, ah, geez, I don't know if I would uh, like to go on a cruise or not. I don't know if this would be a good fit for me. Then try the Ensenada run. Because it's not going to be that expensive. You're not going to be away that long. But it will give you a sense of what the experience is like. And perhaps you'll go, maybe I want to try Alaska. Or maybe I want to try that seven-day Mexico Riviera thing. Or maybe I want to try something more ambitious and go to New Zealand. I don't know. You can cruise anywhere. It is 3.45 on the Central Coast. Dave Congleton along with Craig Hill. I'm just chatting a little bit with you, letting you know about what happened last week. More stories to tell. Dr. Armstead at 4.05. This is Hometown Radio. Someone is asking on the Stolberg line if I watched the Grammys last night. No. No, I haven't watched the Grammys. Uh, I haven't watched the Grammys probably in about 30 years. Uh, you give me a list of winners, I wouldn't have recognized half of them. But I'm very happy uh, that uh, Billy Joel did so well. I did watch the video clip of that. They brought him out at the very end for a couple songs. And it was lovely to see uh, Joni Mitchell win an award. And the woman is 80 years old. She's going to be doing a concert at the Hollywood Bowl in October, I believe. Sold out, boom, right away. So they've added a second show. 80 years old, and she's still selling out the Hollywood Bowl. So congratulations to Joni Mitchell 
and Billy Joel, the music of my generation. Anyway, so um, Kathy and I were on the cruise last week. That's where we were. And it's just your uh, basic uh, economy cruise. Just get out of town for four or five days. Because our Royal Caribbean, if you want to use the Internet, now you want to bring your phone and you want to connect to the, the Internet on the ship, it's $25 a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no thanks. But the beauty of this cruise is that you have access when you're in Ensenada and you're in Catalina. It's the only, only day you're struggling is the day that you're at sea. But the beauty is, is that you can get out to sea and you can disconnect from the world. Yes, people can probably call you depending upon your, the phone that you have. They can text you. But by and large, you're just going to be able to shut out the world. So the day at sea, you, you get up, you, you have a leisurely breakfast. You can go up to the buffet or you can go into the dining room and be served. You uh, wander the ship. They have all sorts of fun classes and activities for people. Or you just take a book with you and you just go and you just crash on a deck chair somewhere and you enjoy the peace and quiet. And you look out over the railing from time to time and you see the calmness of the seas and you're thinking, am I really here? Am I really getting to enjoy this? How relaxing is this? And then after dinner, uh, they always have shows for you. There was a comedian one night. Uh, all these cruise ships are big on uh, young entertainers because they're cheap. They don't have to be paid much. But, boy, they're so energetic. And we saw a couple of those, and it was, it was really entertaining. And you, have a, you probably have a nightcap, and then you, you head to your cabin and you crash because you're, you're going to get up the next day. We had the most perfect day in Catalina. It was just gorgeous. The only disappointment was, since I hadn't been there in eight years, is how much Catalina has changed. I mean, it's, it's, it's still beautiful and historic, and uh, it's Catalina. But I remember the first time going there in 1995, and all the little mom-and-pop stores that were there, and all the locally-owned affordable restaurants, like the Busy Bee. When you walked into the downtown area of Catalina, one of the first things you saw was that restaurant. And each time I went after that, it was a totally different experience. And I because Kathy hadn't been there, Kathy hadn't been there in probably 30 years. And I was trying to show her some of the more special places in Avalon. And we'd walk in and it was totally different. It was just totally different. It was a different store, or they had uh, moved. We went out to the casino because I wanted her to see the museum there. And we get there, and the museum is gone. It's now a dive and tackle shop. And um, they had moved the museum. It's this beautiful building now. They had moved it into the downtown on Metropole Avenue. And this is fancy schmancy Catalina Museum. It's on two different floors, and then there's another room up on the roof. So 
technically it's three floors and several of the restaurants that uh, I used to go to, they're all gone. Totally changed. On the Stolberg Tatum text line, Shelly is checking in. Hey, Shelly. Reminding us that there are two candidate forums for District 5, which is the race that I mentioned earlier between Funk and Moreno. Tonight at 6.30 at the Atascadero Community Church. That's on Rosario in Atascadero. And then uh, Wednesday at the Atascadero Lake Pavilion, 5.30, a meet and greet forms at 6 o'clock. Yeah, so tonight at 6.30 or Wednesday night, 5.30. Or you can hear what Susan Funk and Heather Moreno have to say. That's a very important race. Susan is going to be with us on Thursday. Heather will be with us later in the week. Well, that's about the only local race to be decided in March that I'm aware of. Because uh, there was a woman named Michelle Morrow who was going to challenge Dawn Ortiz leg as a writing candidate. And uh, we had booked Michelle to come on in February. And she reached out to me during a vacation and announced that she has decided not to run. I guess there was some confusion over whether or not she actually lived in the district. It's it's so hard to run and win a write-in campaign. I know Jim Hill did it in Arroyo Grande a few years ago when he ran for mayor. But I think that's the exception. So anyway, uh, Don Ortiz-like and um, John Pershong are both running unopposed. Uh, another text coming in. Any reason on uh, why cruise ships are not allowed off the coast of Morro Bay? Well, it's probably not safe for them there. I'm not a nautical person. I was thinking of Avila. Uh, and I'm not talking about a cruise ship every week or a cruise ship every month. I'm talking about one or two a year. There are cruise lines that you can leave L.A. and you hit Santa Barbara and then they take you up to Monterey. And then they take you up to San Francisco. And then they uh, take you to Astoria and then usually to Vancouver. And for 10 years, I've been saying, well, geez, once or twice a year, we could have them stop in Avila. People have told me that it's not deep enough in Avila for a ship. But in, in uh, Catalina, we tendered in. They got us as close as we could, and then they tender they tendered us in. I don't know why we couldn't do that in Avila, but again, I am not a nautical person, and it may not work. But it would be such an easy way to bring in some additional revenue to this county. You bring them into Avila, and then give them these excursions. Put them on a bus to Hearst Castle. Put them on a bus to go wine tasting. Put them on a bus to go shopping in San Luis Obispo. Put them on a bus and let them go dune buggy riding on the dunes. I mean, people would want to come here. They're here for seven hours, then they go away. And we don't have to worry about them for another year. We get their money and then they go. I just 
I just think it's a workable idea. So, yes, uh, that's my answer. Not sure why, but I wish we could do it. And then Sonata, back on our cruise, would ain't even bother getting off the boat. They offered all sorts of excursions, but there was a light drizzle in the air. And we just wanted to hang out. We were just swimming and having a good old time. If you've not done a cruise, I would strongly encourage you to think about it. And these three or four day cruises out of San Pedro are the way to go. I know that people love Princess. People love Royal Caribbean. There are even people who swear by Carnival. I'm not one of them, but apparently many of you love Carnival. That is certainly a family-friendly cruise line. I'll give you that. But just uh, just go down, take it out of San Pedro, hit Ensenada, Catalina, San Diego, whatever other trips look uh, good for you, and see if you like this cruising lifestyle. So uh, that was my vacation. Nothing special, but just glad to go. Kathy and I had a wonderful time. I never really spent much time in San Pedro before. That's an interesting place. We we did a uh, park and cruise at the Crown Plaza Hotel. That was a really a good deal. We just kept our car there, and they shuttled us to the ship. Off we go as we wrap up the first hour and get ready for the second hour. We've got ABC News. Craig updates us with time saver traffic and weather together, followed by a conversation with Professor Armstead, followed by a conversation with Sam and Aaron Cotton, followed by a conversation with Susan Hoffman. That's a lot of conversation, but don't worry. We're ready. This is Hometown Radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.